A circus came to Liscard. I love circuses. Do you think they have lions? And tightrope walkers? And acrobats? Right, on the bus, everyone, all those who've booked a seat, show your tickets. Good, good, on you get. Let's see your ticket, Terry. I haven't got one. Well, why not? Did Auntie Rose and Uncle Jack not give you the money? I don't know. Well, you can't come if you haven't got a ticket. Frank Emmett, good. Muriel Osborne, good. I was mortified at being left out of this treat of all treats. As the bus sped away, I was left alone to contemplate my loneliness. You're home early. What's up? Everybody's gone to the circus early from school. Well, why haven't you gone? I didn't have a ticket. Well, why not? Because I didn't have the money. I didn't know I was supposed to ask you. Now there's no bus and the train will be too late. Yeah, boy. You can't miss the circus. Let's make you a sandwich. Here's a shilling and sixpence. That's your ticket and your train home. Now, off you go and thumb a lift. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Auntie Rose. I ran out of the house towards Dobwalls and through Dobwalls. No cars. Out of Dobwalls, down the long hill and up the long drag past Moonwater. Still no cars. Four miles I covered before I arrived at the circus in a field near the station. I'm sorry, my handsome, you can't come in. Show's already started and the marquee's full anyway. I've just run all the way here from Double Boys, please. All the way from Double Boys? You're my little Dalmatian. I can't, my dear. More than my job's worth. I stood there with no breath, gasping with exhaustion and frustration, only just holding down my sobs. As my heartbeat slowed down, I wandered about, listening to the laughter and applause from inside. More gall to my soul. Someone was selling candy floss, unheard of during the war. It tasted filthy, even to my eager tongue. I went round the back and saw some dejected-looking ponies, which I tried to pat. Here! Out of it, you! I was only patting them! Up it! You ain't allowed out the back! I moved resentfully away. And then, just as I was about to give up, a baby elephant came out of the marquee, right where I was standing. This creature, with its huge ears and searching trunk, seemed like a miracle. I swear it glowed. Hello. It stood shorter than I did, so must have been very young. I stared at it in wonder. Can I pet it? Of course you can, my dear. I felt the sensitive top of its trunk explore my clothes. This magical, gigantic pet. He's looking for my sandwich, I think. He's a she, and she likes the sandwich all right, don't you, my pet? Can I give her some? What's in it? Cucumber. Well, let me see. That'll be all right. I broke my sandwich into the smallest pieces I could and fed them bit by bit to the elephant, who stood there waiting for more. Its trunk running over my clothes and hands, thrilling me with its touch. Not always gentle, always demanding. What's her name? Gertrude. <laughs> That's a funny name. Hello, Gertrude. She's finished all my sandwich. What else does she like? Fruit. Like what? Apples. She loves an apple, she does. Can I get her one? Of course. I raced out of the field to the nearest greengrocer's, still just open bought a pound of apples and tore back. The elephant was gone. 
lungs bursting again, I nearly cried with frustration when it reappeared from the tent, having just done another turn. It headed straight for me. I nearly died with joy. He remembers, you see. Elephants do remember. Here you go, Gertrude. I fed it the apples until told by the woman that that was enough. i got to take her away now. Bye, Gertrude. I'll see you soon. I patted my new best friend goodbye, tried and failed to hold her trunk for a moment, watched her amble away, spent my last remaining pennies on a bag of chips, had my last apple, and, penniless, walked contentedly home. Germany calling. Germany calling. The bombing of Britain continues. London is in ruins. Their other major cities are aflame. In Africa, General Rommel's panzer divisions are at the gates of Cairo. Everywhere, our enemies are in flight before the irresistible might of the Third Reich. Heil Hitler. Come all ye jolly tenor boys and listen unto me. I'll tell you all a story now from far across the sea. Concerning Adolf Hitler and the schemes which he had made To stop our tin and copper mines and all our pilchard trade Hooray for tin and copper boys and fisheries likewise Hooray for Cornish maidens, oh bless their pretty eyes Hooray for our old gentry and may they never fall Hooray, hooray for Cornwall, hooray boys one and all now Hitler called a million men, to Poland they did go. With guns and bombs and tanks and planes they dealt in death and woe. Six million gallant Poles were killed, lay dead in blood and gore. The rest were sent to slavery, at least three million more. Hooray for tin and copper boys and fisheries likewise. Hooray for Cornish maidens, oh bless their pretty eyes. Hooray for our great country, our moors and coombs and cliffs. Hooray, hooray for Cornwall, hooray for the Cornish. If that bold Adolf Hitler tries to go in for the kill, and musters his great army for to work his wicked will, and dares come near to Cornwall, then he will quickly fly. And bold and fierce and Cornish boys will be the reason why. Hooray for tin and copper boys and fisheries likewise. Hooray for Cornish maidens, oh bless their pretty eyes. Hooray for our great history of pick and plough and sail. Hooray, hooray for Cornwall, for we shall never fail. Hooray, hooray for Cornwall, for we shall never fail. I am happy to report to you that General Montgomery commanding our 8th Army, the Desert Rats, has gained a glorious victory at a place in Egypt called El Alamein. Rommel is at last defeated. This is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end. But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Time like I never stream bears all its sons away 
They fly forgotten as a dream Dies at the opening day That's right, boy. Not bad. If we've got to bother God this Sunday, let's bother him with a decent bit of sense, eh? <laughs> There's nothing Christian about time bearing its sons away. Pretty agnostic, really, for a hymn. What's agnostic, Uncle Jack? It's halfway to good sense, boy. Atheism says there is no God. An agnostic says I'm not sure. I don't suppose any man who wrote a hymn's a proper atheist, so we'll have to make do with halfway house. There is only one God, isn't there, Uncle Jack? At most. Then why are church and chapel different? Well, you see, boy... Church is a lot of lying, hypocritical, God-bothering Tories. And what's chapel? Chapel is church without the poetry. Now, with sense this time, breathe where I've marked and start off with a big un. So I'm like a never-rolling stream bears all its sons away. Good, good. They fly forgotten yes. as a dream dies at the opening day. There's lovely, my Terry. A scruffy little cockney with a voice like an angel. You don't believe in angels, Uncle Jack. Only when I hear them sing. Can I go out and play now? The soldiers are coming back from manoeuvres. Have you written to your mum and dad this week? I was going to. Mum and dad first. You don't want them thinking we're all heathens down here in Cornwall, do you? <sighs> Sorry, Uncle Jack. I was kept in at school. Whatever for? Well, I couldn't learn the period... Never mind, boy, never mind. When I was at school, they kept me in for what I might be going to say next week. <laughs> Now, let's hear that bit of harmony we rehearsed yesterday. The Ash Grove, second verse, and remember what I told you. The Ash Grove, how graceful, how plainly it is speaking. The wind through it blowing has language for me. When over its branches the sunlight is breaking, a host of kind faces is gazing on me. The friends of my childhood again are before me. Each step wakes a memory as freely I roam. With soft whispers laden, the leaves rustle o'er me. The ash grove, the ash grove again is my home. That's lovely, boys. You sound as though you're thinking as well as making a beautiful sound. We'll win that silver voice competition easily. You're going to tell us now, Uncle Jack? Uh, oh, well... I'm not sure. He promised when we got the ash grove right. Promised what? He promised he'd tell us about the two bombshells on the mantelpiece. For two years we'd been pestering Uncle Jack to tell us about his war, the Great War. He had resisted. Old soldiers from that conflict were notoriously reticent about what went on in those trenches. But two bloodthirsty boys had picked away incessantly at his dry stone wall of silence. Horrible war stories. Isn't this one enough? Our Gwyn's out there. Oh, 
Oh, they're boys, Rose, not Wurzels. They've got to learn. Quinn's a desert rat. You're dead. Stop that, you two. To the chickens, me. Get the eggs. The hens do talk more sense than you. Come on, Uncle Jack, we're ready. Tell us about the Great War. Great War? Who taught you that? It's on the war memorial in the village. The war to end war. <laughs> well, the army wouldn't take you under a certain height. Tall enough to dig coal, too short to fight, they said. Then, after our high command had let the Germans slaughter all the good men, they needed more cannon fodder, so they took us titches. A whole battalion, the Welsh Bantams. Stuggy as hell we were. We was up against the Prussian guards. Big, fine fellas, all of them over six foot tall. Oh, that's not fair. That's terrible. Oh, no. Every man's the same height when a bullet hits him. He's horizontal. That's brilliant. Our high command weren't so stupid, Uncle Jack. Don't let me catch you saying any good of our leaders, boy. Especially that particular lot. What happened? First, we was up against the Saxons. They was all right. They didn't like the war no more than we did. We used to put up a tin helmet on the end of a rifle for their snipers to take pot shots at. Then they did the same for us and we scored points. The officers stopped that, said it was giving them practice. It says Ich Dean on the shell. What does that mean? It's Welsh, for I serve. Funny, Ich is like German. It's more German than English. But we are Celts, dark and small, different. The Saxons were fair-haired buggers like you two, Anglo-Saxon blondies. Or Jacomi Saxons? Were the Prussian guards fair too? Uh, some of them, yes. A thousand of them were in this wood, near the Somme. Bolon Wood, it was called. There was a thousand of us in there too. Our artillery started shelling them, their artillery started shelling us. Everyone got blown to bits. Who killed who? I don't know. Bloody fools. Trees, like used matchsticks, stuck in the mud. Germans and Welsh, dead everywhere. Next morning, the frost had frozen them together, all white. Some of them embracing like some hellish wedding cake. Those whom death hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Seventeen of us survived. We were half buried in a big shell hole in the ground. Kept us warm. Kept us alive. We each got one of those shells. But you've got two. One is my mate's. Why didn't he keep his? There were plenty more battles, boy. Ashes to ashes. Mud to mud. Rain in your boots. Ice in your blood Dig yourself in And keep your head down There's life and there's death In a hole in the ground I went down the mine for my wages a place where you don't see the sun They send you below in their cages 
and don't bring you up till you're done. Hole in the ground, provide your daily bread. Hole in the ground, we'll get your children fed. Who cares if you're digging someone else's coal? Just thank your lucky stars, you're in a hole. Then, out of the mines to the front line. Where death's on the cards and life is cheap The trench that you dig is your lifeline So make sure you dig nice and deep Hole in the ground to hide yourself away Like a mole in the ground You'll try to live another day Never forget, survival's your goal so just you be glad you're in a hole. War's over, so back down the mines. Then one fine day they tell you your job's gone up the spout. Can't afford to keep you. Sorry, boy, you're out. No more welcome. No work in the mills It's time to go You pack your bags And you say I'll vow to wills But there's always one final hole to come For all of us Including the generals And prime ministers there's a hole in the ground there, dear leaders, dear leaders, with a box made to measure, just waiting for you. That's something even they can't control, for we all end up in some bloody Survival is an accident, boys. Chance. We learned that in the trenches. But it applies to everything. It's not destiny. It's not bravery, nor cowardice. It's not God. It's not even survival of the fittest. It's an accident. But you lived through it. I bet you were clever and kept your head down. No one was clever, boy. The clever ones weren't there at all. No matter what happens to you in your life, always remember this. There's no justice. There never was and there never will be. But you've got to pretend there is. We call that being civilised. Live your life like that and that's all you can do. Just remember two things. It's not fair and don't be late. I turned the massacre over and over in my mind. I acted out the scene in the woods, creeping through the undergrowth down by the river. I hid behind trunks as shells ripped through the foliage, tearing the boughs off, splintering the green wood, uprooting forest giants, converting trees and men to blackened stumps. Why did the thousand of our men go in here? And why did the Germans? Who wanted to capture a wood anyway? All those tough little Welshmen hugging the ground, getting blown to pieces in spite of their lack of inches. The event had horror, fascination and mystery. 
which I could leave only briefly behind as I emerged from our woods into the rabbit field, one of seventeen survivors, going home to tea and the polished mementos on the mantelpiece, when Uncle Jack would tell us more stories. It was raining. Raining, raining. The soaking summer of 1916. Everything was sodden. Oh. Your boots rotted on your feet. Mud. There was mud everywhere. Chest deep sometimes. Men disappeared in it. What do you mean, disappeared? Vanished. Got swallowed up. But, but they couldn't just get swallowed. Oh, couldn't they? You had to stay on the boards to make sure you didn't follow them in. But there was no clean water to drink, of course. I had to draw it out from a shell hole nearby. Then it stopped raining, the water went down, and we saw there'd been a dead frog in there all the time. Just as well I boiled it. What's so bad about a dead frog? He doesn't mean a frog, stupid. He means a Frenchman, a French soldier. Stop that, Jack. Filling the boys' heads with all that rubbish. That war was over 20 years ago. Do you think this one's any different? If it goes on long enough, Jack could be in the army easy. Over by Christmas, we was told. Gwyn's been out there more than a year. Our war took on a new, dreadful fascination for me. It was no longer an imaginary bang-bang-you're-dead with sanitary corpses, mostly German, and bandaged, tidy wounds. It became headless and bloated, mutilated and disemboweled, like the rabbits we snared, then messily gutted with our penknives. 